Hi guys, welcome to this annual edition of Absent Friends. Well, there you go. What you don't know is that's fourth take. Yeah, I think <laughs> to get there. Um, so yeah, we're, as as we usual, we're celebrating people's lives associated with Star Trek, and as ever, we try and theme it with what happened this year. So if you remember, way back when, back in March, I believe it was February. Mar- February March. Well, was it a bit later? I can't remember. We had an episode on with Larry and we're celebrating the 10th anniversary of uh, the Kelvin timeline. So, in this, we will have people from that. And we'll just let you in on a bit of a secret there. That's harder than it sounds. Because there are not many people of that type on memory of. So, we have to do a lot of digging for that. Yeah, those who have kind of worked on the Kelvin timeline in the past, as you oh, say. Few and far between. Yeah. Um, and then we've also got people that passed away this year and as I I think I said in the last episode this was a bit of a challenge because usually we try and get this all um, collated by September don't we usually try and get it in and around that time collate it and go there you go here's the names for this year to the other person so that they can start researching it for November because even then even if you're doing four names or six names that's quite an awful lot of work to to go through well originally it was just four it names it was four yeah but literally the week that I was going to do it literally the day that, like the, that that time when I was going to go there you go Jamie here's this list I, I think, didn't I actually send you a list and I sent it to you and then we had to go oh yeah. no I've got to update this a bit yeah because obviously that news struck obviously Varen Eisenberg yeah and you said to me well, what did you say to me on the phone because I think I didn't really say much to you but you kind of inferred it's like yeah I'll I'll wait for it I know yeah. this is coming and I, this is what I would do anyhow as soon as I kind of read the news because I remember when it happened it was literally I was up when it happened when that news hit but yeah. we'll get on to that later yeah. but um, but I knew that someone I thought to myself well that happened and I thought yeah cut the note it's a no brainer it needs it? to be added so, and I knew that you would anyway. So, so with that, it's not just adding one name. You've also got we we try and do even yeah. numbers. So it's not just five you've got to come up. With, you've got to come up with another one from nothing. Because I think you said like doing it odd numbers. It just I, I can't it that, sound right. It just, wouldn't be fair otherwise. No, and it, yeah. So because then you're doing three of one gender and two of the other. So yeah. you've got to do three. Because obviously we've got our what we're trying. You know, adhere we've, to we've got it. with our guidelines of you know keeping it equal, and then even within that, you've then got the same between production and behind the cap, behind the scenes, and in front of the camera. So yeah. that's a very odd mixture to try and do. And then the mixture of Kelvin timeline, and then who passed away this year, yeah. and then what made it even weird is there's another name in here that actually crosses over into both uh, categories. So it's then working out where he fits into things because does he count as this year's or does he count as a Kelvin timeline? Because they're so far and few between. So it's a bit of an interesting year, but it's I always love going through this and finding all these names that we've never heard of and letting you in on these people that are on there. And I think I think at this point I'll say what we usually say: go on there, have a look through all these names and see who you can discover because there's an awful lot on there that you will not have found I mean you said we've been doing this for a number of years and we've five. barely five years, and we've barely even scratched the surface of the names that are there um, and said and um, I said um, I said it'll be my turn again next year and you know as you say it's 
it's such a humongous list, but with the fact you have to keep an eye on yeah that horrible news every year and just kind of note them down. Yeah, who's passed away? Cause said it, it could happen at any time. So someone unexpected it would just crop up and, and then trying to theme it to the anniversary that is occurring that year that's if, always if quite there is, well you've got Voyager next year I've got you? Voyager so. next year so yeah yeah um, because obviously I think I think when I did it for the first time last year I think I had to take into account the DS9 wasn't it DS9 and I think obviously the anniversary of, of the animated series as well so so yeah it's been a very interesting year and we've gone from four to six in the space of I think it's two to three weeks but yeah, um, so first off, we're going to start with Nicole Frank, who is someone to do with um, Star Trek uh, 2009. So yeah. she's one of our first Kelvin Time related people. Um, and she was a hairstylist who worked on Star Trek 2009. She's best known for her award, uh, award, uh, Emmy Award nominated work on hit ABC series Desperate Housewives. So she's quite a big. And actually, oddly enough, I mean, I, cool. I actually, when it first came out, I actually did start watching it. I think I made it through the first season. I can't. I, I got quite into it, and then I just stopped watching it. But I said I am familiar with it, and that's the thing as well. A lot, some of these, um, a lot of these, not just Nicole, but the others as well. The stuff they've done, we might not have seen them all, but I think some of them we would at least some have heard of. Some of them we're aware of, yeah. yeah. There's an awful lot in this year that I don't know, but that doesn't mean that, you know, I've still done an awful lot of work. They've had a huge career. Um, uh, Frank worked on the series during its first two seasons from 2004 through to 2006. So that's yeah. quite cool. Um, born in Pennsylvania, USA. Uh, she was a key assistant hairstylist on the 2004 film Spartans. Um, I normally I do mention these Star Trek alumni as well, but um, so you got I think she was um, the Admiral from Next Gen. Which Admiral was that? The um, woman one. Oh, okay. The yeah. chef. Yeah, yeah, I just thought of the name. Um, her hairstylings can also be seen in films such as 2005's Lord of Dogtown and 2008's Semi-Pro. In addition, she was hired as a day player in 2007 film Charlie Wilson's War, um, which featured Rachel Nichols, which is quite interesting. But this is stuff where I know her from, or I'm aware of it. Frank's other work as a hairstylist included television series West Wing, heard of it but never seen it yeah my name is Earl which I've always loved something I need to, need to see in full ugly, ugly Betty see. which I'm aware of but never again never seen and the fancy romance Twilight from 2008 which is quite a big thing to be a part of and then there's a few other odd bits again that we don't really know her from but there's Big Love from 2010 as hair department head she worked on ABC sitcom Carpoolers from 2007-2008 and drama series United States of Tara from 2009 uh, among her last work are the short comedy Apple Box from 2011 and this is the other two bits you might know her from the fancy film The Hunger Games from 2012 and the drama Hitchcock from the same year yeah the the hairstyles from The Hunger Games were oh, just um, weirdly spectacular I loved the hairstyles they were just so vibrant and out there and you know she did fantastic work on that because that's one of the things I think a lot of people remember about those films 
But you can just see the spectrum of work in this is kind of all the different types that she was involved yeah. with, like sci-fi right up to kind of sitcoms. And yeah, I mean, and the West Wing's like political, political yeah. drama. But what you know, it's what's in it's a kind of double-edged thing. But she died at the age of forty-three, so it's really sad that she died that young. But considering the, I said the time she had, she did an awful lot. That's very impressive credential, credentials there. She was remembered in the end credits of the 2013 sub- episode Chinese Chicken, and as Jamie said, she passed away back in 2013, um, January 20, uh, Jan- uh, January 17th, at the age of 43, in uh, Toluca Lake, Los Angeles, California, in, in the US. So I thought that was quite an interesting one. I thought out of all the people that we had on there, because I think I've created about eight different people on there. And I thought she had the most interesting. Uh, yeah, and you know, and it's quite—it's literally just a couple of a few paragraphs. It's not much, like but half it, a page. I just but, thought there's such a much diversity yeah. in there. Mm. But that's what you just get, even from the short ones. Is kind of oh my god, this person has worked in the industry, done their time. And I said it doesn't seem like an awful lot, but it's not always about quantity, is it? No, but I just think it's quite cool. Like being in 2009 starter, I think that's quite a cool kind of. Mm. You know, having her work in there. Can you just imagine it? If, you know, you never know. She might have worked on Len Nimoy's hair or all that sort of thing, which would be quite cool. Yeah. I mean, was she like? It doesn't say if she's like the just the main. Well, the head. thing is, she sort of said she was a hair department head from two thousand seven to two thousand eight. So but you I think that she was just hairstylist, but I don't think she was head. But yeah. you never know. But it's it was just I just found it interesting. Mm. Agreed. As I said, I looked at I said all the names you've actually got, Sai. I've said I think a really really interesting mix really good mix this year um, as you said for someone who has said who died at that age she did an awful lot it's a shame she because who knows what else she would have done in her career as a hairstylist but considering you said and I said most anything of, and everything by looks for her previous work yeah I said most of these I heard of I have I've, I said yeah I have, it was those ones that I particularly yeah. knew so the West Wing yeah. my name is Ugly Bessie so those are the ones I mm. I I'm think not, stood out to me at least yeah and it's a Twilight everyone knows. I mean, I'm, I I didn't particularly like the film, but I didn't have any problems with the hairstyles. The hairstyles were absolutely fine. <laughs> so um, I can't comment. Not seen it. No, no, no. But but it's, that's in no way because because I didn't like the film. It's no way a reflection of it because the hair the, the hairstyles were fine. <laughs> Probably one of the very few aspects that's actually good. Anyway, but I think it's um, nice that she got remembered in a credits for an episode at least. At yeah. The, at the time of her um, passing away, I mm. thought that was, that's quite a nice. Tribute. Detail, yeah. yeah. Tribute, um, nice word, Jamie. Ah, nice you. word. Um, up to our fifth name. Do you want to do this one, Jamie? Uh, yeah, that's all right. What we've always done, yeah. isn't it, I think. Um, so the next name that um, Simon has chosen is um, Vonda Neil McIntyre, um, who was born on the 28th. Who has a very good credit to her name, really good thing, reason to be known by Star Trek fans, which general mention but it's you just sit there and go how can I not mention this person like mm. well basically um, she was born on 28th of August 1948 and she passed away at the age of 70 on the 1st of April this year um, she was the author of several Star Trek novels and novelizations. this includes the Entrophy Effect Star Trek The Wrath of Khan um, The Search for Spock and The Voyage Home this is the interesting bit and when Simon Tom I was like that is amazing 
It was McIntyre who came up with Sulu's first name, Hikaru, in the in trophy effect, which was made canon by Star Trek VI, the undiscovered country, ten years after the release of the novel. So that's the deal to tell I didn't know, and I think that's it's it. one of those little nuggets that you find going through these lists where you just go, "Oh, I never knew that before." Because I think sometimes when when you um, when you watch or read something and you're like something's been established, you, you don't really think about how it was just established. Think of its origins, yeah, yeah. You just... I think the same's the same as um, in common with Ahura. I think Ahura's first name is also based in literature. Hmm. I think, and then that slowly got canonised, and then that didn't. Become, I think didn't become officially canon canon until mm. we got to uh, would that be darkness or beyond? I think it was. I think it was darkness, if I recall. I think it was into darkness, if I recall. Um, so yeah, that's I said. That's just a great detail that Simon just told me about, and I looked at. It, I just thought that is just amazing. Again, just those little tidbits that you don't know. I and mean, we said we've been Star Trek fans for years, Simon even longer than men, so we, there's still things we you discover. Um, she was um, born in Louisville, Lu, uh, Kentucky, and moved around a lot in her childhood, uh, including living abroad in the Netherlands. Um, her family eventually moved to, to Seattle, where she attended the University of Washington. She also attended the Clarion Science Fiction's Writer's Workshop, of which she was a founding member in 1970. Um, she also wrote many non-Star Trek science fiction novels, which also included Star Wars tie-ins, winning uh, Nebula Awards and a Hugo Award. So, um, I mean, that that bit, again, it's just the fact said, I said, tying in styles with Star Trek, because which I think it's a really cool theme, because I know there's always... I mean, I don't know whether that was her purpose, but anyway, it's kind of that bridge and that gap in between the two franchises, which I thought was just a really quite cool thing. Um, and it said there are writers who do come up with their own, because they don't just write fiction, they also teach it as well. Um, so I just thought that again, and the fact she said she's won awards as well, which I think is just really, because I think, you know, it's you can't really pay I think any higher honour to, to someone who's working whether it's a writer or an actor or behind the scenes by their contributions to to whether it's Star Trek or, or other works that they've done by giving them even if it's just nominated but even especially if they actually win those awards it's a shame with Star Trek alumni they always get nominated but never never yeah. win them and you yeah. just go oh really just because it's under the Star uh, a sci-fi banner yeah um, do you want me to build on it? There's a bit more on the uh, yeah. Sartre.com page. Yeah, go for it, sir. yeah. Just read the whole thing out. I know you've kind of read half of it, but... Um, born in Louisiana, Kentucky, McIntyre grew up mostly in Seattle before attending the University of Washington and later founding the... Claron? Uh, Clarion West. Clarion West Writers' Workshop in Seattle. Her short stories, novelettes and novels include Breaking Point of Mist... And, and grass and sand a dream snake super lum, luminal yeah that's it yeah the star fairer series star wars the crystal star a modest pr pr um, proposal and any any ideas uh, lad laddie de da I'm gonna go with we'll that. Go with that yeah she also wrote poetry and essays and was a fan favourite at conventions thank you for helping with those that's alright yeah. Actually, one thing I just want to point out: Star Wars: The Crystal Star. That has actually got a really nice ring to it. 
I don't know why. Just <laughs> at least but... it's not Crystal Skull. <laughs> Your favourite, yeah. <laughs> Let's not speak of that. No. Um, so again, so again, it's another short one, but again, the impact she had, she's had on the franchise is just incredible. Just again, it's like without that small novel, hmm. he might have come. Up, he might have had another yeah. uh, name given. So it's just one of those things that you just go. Oh. Did you say he or she? Sulu. Oh, sorry. I thought you were talking about. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Um, the other thing as well just at the bottom here I really liked is um, according to the entry on McIntyre's Caringbridge page a memorial service um, were, uh, was, was was arranged doing. in Seattle McIntyre requested that in lieu of flowers people make donations to one of their own personal favourite charities which I think is just again just a really nice little just request I suppose just things like that just yeah um, sorry I know it's but I just thought that was quite a nice little bit as well just at the end that they finished off with um yeah um next uh Peter Allen Fields yeah so now we're kind of getting into kind of bigger names yeah these are the ones that you'll probably be, be more, more aware of I yeah. think Peter Allen Fields so um was a writer of many Star Trek Next Gen and Deep Space Nine episodes he was also script executive script consultant on the latter half of season 5 so between the first duty and time zero and during the 6th and I think this really resonated with me this year because we'd literally just done that and we're about to do 6th next year so yeah. it's just like very and, very fitting and I've got to say I think the writing particularly from the first duty even up to the end was really good the episodes were really most of them were really good he then became co-producer on Deep Space Nine during its first season and producer for its second. Um, Phil contributed three Death Nine episodes after he left the writing staff. Showrunner Ira Grace has credited Fields for the introduction of Ealing uh, Garrett character, which kind of works into the other episode we're recording today as well. Yeah. Which is like, did you sorry? Did you say Ira Graves or Ira? Ira Stephen Burr. Ah, oh, okay. I think. Oh, sorry, I thought you said I were Graves, but my mistake. <laughs> I think I said Stephen Burr. I don't know. Did I say I already... You might have done. It doesn't matter. It's fine. Showrunner Ari Stephen Burr has credited Fields for the introduction of Elin Garrett, uh, Garrett's character. Yeah. Um, oh, yes, he got published in an article on the... In, oh, Fields was interviewed by Terry J. Rodman in the Deep Space Nine Companion and by Bill Florence for the article Peter Allen Fields Man of the Inner Light published in the Star Trek, Star Trek Next Generation magazine which is quite cool and actually it's at least quite nicely on to I hope you don't mind me hmm? no, go for it, um, he actually received a, um, a Hugo Award uh, in 1993 in the category Best Dramatic Presentation as Teleplay Writer for the episode of Inner Light, which was shared with Morgan Gendel, 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 and Peter Lauritsen. So, you know, in fact, he said got recognition said for I said, fans probably one of the most favourite episodes ever of of um, of 
next gen or just generally Star Trek. I said I, I think I put that up as well, actually my favourite of five. Um, yeah, I mean that's just it, it's a true testament to how brilliant his writing was for the episodes that he did or that he um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Kind of overseeing the script just generally. Um, yeah, I mean. Sorry, did you? Was you gonna? I was gonna do a bit of his career. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Before Star Trek and following his career as a lawyer, Fields wrote several episodes for the Man of Man from Uncle. I love this show. Deep Space Nine did mm-hmm. a homage to Del Flores. Flores, yeah, that's right. A tailor shop being on the Deep Space Nine's promenade. Later, Fields was an associate producer and writer on McCloud, and the NBC series starring Diana Mulder. I think when they mention about the tailor shop, I think that was on the Rosetta Stone they had on the promenade. Yeah. Where they had all the businesses mentioned on there. I think that's where it would have been mentioned on there. Hmm. In addition to his work on Deep Space Nine, Fields worked with um, its co-creator, Michael Piller, on the latter's short-lived UPN series Legend uh, from 1995, starring John Delancey. Other TV shows he has written include Knight Rider, which I really much remember from my yes yeah. my dad introduced me to that uh, 1986 Jake and the Fat Man 1998 never heard of it Same. and Xena were a princess from 1985 uh, 1995 to 1996 heard of it but never seen it uh, I've seen it actually I've seen it so again it, a series I, I, say, I don't know if we are watching now how I feel but I'm sure I'll probably still enjoy it but I Do really loved it read a, out what episode he was Part of, I think it's a bit that you quite like. Yeah, could do. Okay, so um, in TNG, his credits were Half a Life, um, Cost of Living, and Vienna Light. Um, and in Deep Space Nine, included Dax, um, Progress, Duet, The Circle, Necessary Evil, Blood Oath, Crossover, For the Uniform. In the Power Moonlight and the Dogs of War, so all episodes, basically all those episodes, none of them I don't think I actually disliked. They were, I think they were kind of to varying degrees. I enjoyed more than others, but overall his credits, I don't know about you, but those episodes that that he was he did, there's not really anything that I disliked, which just goes to show his testament to. And a lot of them are episodes I think just fans generally like anyway. So I think it's quite a testament. To how how well he did, how how well, what good writer he really was, and you know some of these other things as I said that were mentioned, so things like the Six Million Dollar Man. I'm again, I've never seen it, but I've heard of it. Um, Zinni Warrior Princess. I grew up that when I was a kid. So yes, he's done. I said he did a fair, he did a fair bit, um, and also you know the nice connections you have like with I said um, uh, with said Diane Mulder and oh yeah John Delance. I was looking for. Um, so yeah, I mean, overall, I think he had a very, very um, interesting and you know, um, I'm trying to think of the, what's the word I'm looking for. Interesting and um, oh my god, my words today. I'm trying to think of the right word. He achieved a lot in his career. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, is there anything else you want to say about him, or do you think no. we've no, we pretty much? I don't know where those notes had come from. Are they from IMDb or are they from? Oh, uh, hang on. Uh, I don't mem- recognise them. Memory Alpha, I believe. Yeah, because it's from the man from Uncle. 
So yeah, memory alpha. So I don't remember the sixth of man from my notes. So I don't know. Hmm. I could. Yeah. Um, I think it's right. No, it uh, is right. I'm just. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. I've definitely got them. That's all right. It's um, a, right. Do you so, want to move on, Jeremy? Yeah. So if we do. Um, sorry, I just. This worked out quite well because the one that I want to do. I want to do William Morgan Chef because I think it's quite cool. Mm. But next we're doing Barbara March because again that's another big name that came up quite quickly. I think just before I kind of collated them all as well. Mm. Um, so Barbara March was born on the 9th of October in 1953 in t- Toronto, Ontario, Canada, as child as a child to Polish parents. Um, she graduated from the University of Windsor with a BFA in Dramatic Arts and started to work as a stage actress at Canada's Stratford Shakespeare Festival where she also met her future husband Alan Scarf who later guest starred in two episodes of uh, TNG and episode of Voyager. The two married in August 1979 and March became stepmother to actor Jonathan Scarf from Alan Scarf's previous marriage with actress Sarah Botsford. The couple also also has a daughter, musician and composer, Antonia Tozia Scarf. Uh, so obviously, Barbara March is known, um, well, fans know her as... Um, my notes, my notes have gone... Lursa. Yeah, sorry, Lursa. <laughs> sorry, but <laughs> my notes are a bit all over the place. Lursa in, well, TNG, well, mainly TNG, including Generations and also... Um, oh, blimmin' hell. Um... Well, in here it's got Redemption, Firstborn, and Past Prologue. Oh, no, past Prologue, thank you. It's the DS9 episode, I couldn't remember which ones that she was in. It's in the notes. I know. Well, my notes are said. <laughs> um, let's say I'm a bit, bit mixed Do up. Do you want to know something interesting? Her, uni- oh. co- her costume from the episode Past Prologue was later worn by actress Peggy Jo Jacobs in the uh, Star Trek Voyager episode Prophecy and was sold off at the Christie's auction in New York. Do you want to know how much that was estimated for? Go on. Six to eight hundred um, dollars. Do you want to know how much it actually sold for? I'm guessing probably like a lot more than. Times that by ten. Oh my god. Six thousand six hundred dollars. Yeah. Uh, March was interviewed by Ian Spelling, Spelling for Star Trek uh, Generations official movie souvenir for the article Barbara March and Gwendolyn Walsh, Lurson Breast Bittell. Um and in 1994 for the Star Trek Communicator issue 104 um, October 1985 article to Clemon and by Ian Spelling again for the article Double Trouble in Star Trek Monthly issue 36 in 1998 um, and obviously they've both appeared at um, conventions haven't they yeah they were both very popular at conventions it's quite cool um, and they also did um they're killing on makeup, didn't they? As I say, March was a frequent guest at Star Trek related conventions such as the Trek Expo 2008 and the Creation Las Vegas Star Trek conventions 2010 and 2011. And as you just said, they're also appearing in Klingon makeup and costume. Um, was that from uh, memory after that you that that bit that you read out? Uh, what what heard? What information? The information you just read out was from memory after, yeah. wasn't it? Um, I added a bit about estimates and things for that costume. So it's good; it gives it a bit more depth, doesn't it? So, um, look, see what else. Um, so some of her other works. Um, 
she um, made her film debut in a 1983 Canadian independent drama Deserters in which she worked with her husband for her role of Val Manifort she received a Genie Award nomination for best performance by an actress in a leading role in 84 uh, she in 87 she was cast in a guest role in the Canadian drama series Night Heat with Adam Royal followed by the drama Kingsgate in 89 with Christopher Plummer and her husband um, after her uh, March and Scarf moved to Los Angeles, California. She worked on the TV horror film Blood Ties in 1991. Um, the television western The Gamblers Returns, a luck of the joy in 91. Um, and actually worked, and in that film was also included Max, Max Grodenchik. Uh, she also worked on the drama The Portrait in 1992 with her husband and Gwyneth Walsh. I mean, she's got a lot of stunt quite a few things here the LA Law episode Beauty in the uh, Be- <laughs> Beauty in the Breast 1992 um, and following her connection with Star Trek March played Helen Diebold Bolt in a Total Security episode Who's Popper in 1997 um, yeah so obviously you know obviously I know she's most mostly known for Star Trek but I said her other credits as well are really quite impressive and again I said that award nomination again those kind of things are always really great to get even if it's just a nomination um, did you read that bit I think you did but yeah yeah yeah. Can, I'm going to read a bit from Miss uh, Sastrick online Sastrick.com uh, yeah that one because they had a few insights in there that were quite interesting um, so her husband wrote my beloved Barbara, my partner in all things for more than 40 years, passed through Eternity's Gate yesterday evening after a cruel battle of cancer. She was wise and passionate and beautiful and her brilliant kindness and... Uh, her per- perspi- per- perspicacity. I was never going to get there. Touch many. Um, thank you for that. That's a right. tough word. And then um, there's a bit about that article that I spoke about. Um... It's amazing, she told Ian Spelling in 1994 during an interview for the official Star Trek Generations magazine. We were really surprised by how popular some Brittle are. I think it's because in one sense, these women had a great deal of power. They're very emotional, almost a bad Lauren Hardy team. They're rebellious, strong, and can kick butt. They just aren't that many female... And there just aren't that many female characters on television who control things like dress try to... I think yeah, and you know, actually, that description I said they're almost a very, they're very much almost a bad Lord and Harley team. That's a perfect description of Lester and Bator. And what I liked is that's the thing they, you know, they weren't in Star Trek a lot. There's more. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry, carry on. I think all of these aspects and the chemistry between Gwendolyn and I have helped the characters really catch on. It was wonderful to create a character on Star Trek because she wasn't a stereotypical cardboard cutout. Agreed. And I said the fact the fact they weren't maybe weren't in it that much. I think the 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 the, the screen time they got on the episodes they were in, including in Generations, they did a really good job. They did a really good job. And I, I said, and when, and you know when you think of secondary characters in Star Trek, whatever series, a lot of people, you know, Lester and Beta are going to be one of the top ones that people remember. So yeah, I mean, just again, just another another person who has passed away, just achieved really great things um, and he said the fact that her and her husband you know they met they fell in love and said it was over 40 years 
I mean that's I said it's just amazing so um, is there anything else you want to sell should we move on, move on no, to no there's not really much more we can say no. um, I think we've been covering all, all these actually all these people really really well um, so you want to move on to um, the next one William Morgan Shepherd, and he's a very interesting man because he got into everything um, sometimes credited as W. Morgan Shepard was a British actor who played four characters throughout the Star Trek franchise. He has most recently played the head minister of the Vulcan Science Academy in Star Trek 2009. And via the virtual collectible card game battle of Star Trek Rivals, he's named as Orsac. Um, he did not receive a screen credit for his work on the latter. So he didn't get that, but that's the name it was. Yeah, I, I, I found that interesting. Really, I didn't actually know it was him until I actually read that. And I'm thinking, I, I know he was only a bit character in there, but I just thought the fact he's done it before, I thought he deserved. I think he should have been credited personally. But hey, that's just that's just me. But. I love this next bit. While doing additional dialogue recording oh, for yeah. Star Trek, he told the film's director and producer JJ Abrams, not realizing he was speaking to that the director was a slave driver. He apologised after Abrams revealed himself to be director. <laughs> you know, I can imagine that. It must have been super, super awkward. Just one of those moments of, I wish the ground would just swallow me up now, please. And this was very interesting. Outside of Star Trek, Shepard's is best well known for his role as Blank Ridge on the TV series Max Headroom, which starred fellow Star Trek Next Generation guest star Matt Furrer in the title role. Isn't he the one that played um, Rasmussen in I think so. Master of Time in season five, yeah. But um, as I say, he appeared four times in Star Trek. So he appeared in the Shinzoid Man as Ira Graves, the Klingon Commandant in Star Trek Undiscovered Country. Oh, what's his name? Quatai. In Voyager in Bliss. Yep. And as as I say, he was, what's his name? Vulcan Minister Orsak in Star Trek. 2009 but there's so much more because what I thought was awesome was the fact that in Doctor Who as we're quite big Doctor Who fans um, he played the old version of Canton Everett Delaware the third in the Doctor Who story The Impossible Astronaut his son Mark Shepard played the younger version of this of um, Canton De- um, Delaware I was wondering when you were going to mention that connection because I just that was just yeah. cool just like you know, and I think, um, you know, and I said he's, he's had a very, very big career. I mean, well, um, that's the thing. So he counts as he passed away this year, and he was also in Star Trek, uh, the Kelvin, Kelvin timeline. Time so, so you've covered both. It was inst- both. Yeah. Just like, and I just, you know, and I read that thinking, I just thought, yeah, you, you had to, he had to, had to be put in. Well, it's just like, well, if you, if I don't do it this year. Um, yeah. you were gonna do it another year. It's like, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it this year. It's like, do you mind if I mention some of the um his other parts of his career, other other bits that he's done? Uh, what are we gonna do his personal life? Yeah, okay, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, so born in London, England, and educated in Ireland, Shepherd graduated from London's Royal Academy of Dramatic Art in 1958. He then spent 12 years as associate artist with the Royal Shakespeare Company. And as you said, he um, he's the father of fellow Star Trek Voyager guest actor Mark A. Shepard, um, born in 1964. Shepard died in a Los Angeles hospital with his wife by his side on the 6th of January. Passed away. Hmm? 
I'd say passed away. Passed away, yeah. Sorry. I try not to use yeah, I know, it's the a little D bit. word. Yeah, I wish memory after that I should change that. Passed oh, away. No, you don't just don't you don't say it, you just say passed away instead. Yeah, sorry. Just, you know. <laughs> passed away in a Los Angeles hospital with his wife by his side on the sixth of January this year. And I think, you know, it's sad, but at the same time, the fact that his wife was there by his side, I think you know, it's some form of you know, I'm trying to think of the right words, one word do you know what I mean? Yeah. The fact that someone was there by his side, you know, somebody who he loved. Um, so, um, should we talk a bit about other, a few other bits? Yeah, that he go did? for it, Joey. Yep, you wanted to. Uh, so, in 1965, so this is kind of the start of his career. In 1965, Shepard began appearing in the original Tony Award-winning Broadway production of the Persecution and Assassination of Marat, as performed by the inmates of the Asylum of Charrington under the direction of the Marquis de Sade, which ran for. 145 performances from December 1965 through to April 1966. He also appeared in the 1967 British film adaptation of the play. Um, this bit, I really, again, this bit was really quite interesting. This next bit here. In 1974, Shepard appeared with future TNG co star Patrick Stewart in a Royal Shakespeare Company production of Antony and Cleopatra. Uh, it was The production was videotaped and aired on US TV in January of 1975. Shepard and Stewart worked again together again on the films The Doctor and the Devils in 85 and Lady Jane in 86 before obviously reuniting for the TNG episode The Schizoid Man. Um, throughout the 70s and 80s, Shepard appeared on numerous British and later American TV programmes, uh, mini-series and movies. Some of his credits during this time include The Professionals, The Duelist in 1977, um, Hawk the Slayer in 1980, uh, did you want me just to read just a few of these out? Go for it, Jerry. Yeah. Or do you want seem me to... to go hammer on tongues. I just yeah. keep going, Jerry. Um, the Sea Wolves in nineteen eighty, the Elephant Man in nineteen eighty, the Keeping nineteen eighty three, Max Headroom twenty minutes into the future in nineteen eighty four, co star with Matt Frewer, um, Lassiter in nineteen eighty four, Cry Freedom in nineteen eighty seven, Lucky Stiff, um, eighty eight. Yep, yeah, and also he starred in the nineteen eighty eight cult favourite. El, uh, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Um, so yeah, I mean, just even just between the nineteen sixties and eighties, that's a heck of a lot he's done. And it gets even more. Do you want? Do you want to read? Uh, yeah, I'll do Not, this one. Yep. Yeah, next. In person. the early nineties, Shepard had supporting roles in the films such as David Lynch's Wild at Heart from nineteen ninety, uh, the nineteen ninety comedy There Goes the Neighbourhood. Um, which he also starred with, um, as, if you don't mind me saying, Harris Yulin, who played um, Maritza in the Express Nine episode duet. And the 1993 Stephen King horror, Need, Needful Things. Um, who also featured in the Star, um, Star Trek V co-star Robert Eatson. His more recent films included acclaimed 2006 Pure of the Prestige. And the 2007 blockbuster Transformers, written by Alex Kurtzman and Robert Orsi. In later, in the latter film, Shepard portrayed Captain Archibald Wiki. It's a bit of a mouthful that word, actually. Um, in addition to his Star Trek appearances, Shepard portrayed two roles in the sci-fi series Babylon Five, and was runner-up for the role of Ambassador Gekar on the show though the role eventually went to Andrew Kulis. Uh in addition he had 
he was in Sasha as well, by the way. In addition, he had a recurring role as a holographic AI program known as Professor on the series Sequest DSV alongside Richard Hurd. Dishy Shepard was one of several Sasha actors who, who voiced characters on the animated series Gargoyles. He voiced several characters on the show, including the father of Jonathan Frank's character, David um, Xenatos. Yeah, that one. Shepard also guest uh, guest starred on popular shows as MacGyver, Murder She Wrote, and Fraser Stone and Kelsey Grammer. He also appeared in the final episode of Quantum Leap, the hit science fiction series. For just yeah, just well, maybe not I, watch that one. <laughs> well, we're still watching. Watching been a long, long while, but I'm you've, you've been getting me into Quantum Leap, haven't you? Uh, recent TV credits have included uh, Charmed, Gilmore Girls, Criminal Minds. Initially appeared in an episode of Alias. Um, which was created by J.J. Abrams. Uh, in 2009, Shepard uh, played war criminal Richard Jerick, also yeah. known as Mr. Paint on NCIS in Broken Bird, which I no doubt Jamie will want to mention. Yeah, yeah. Um, Not that Jamie's predictable. Thank you, sir. Uh, <laughs> it's true, I am predictable. Uh, Jerk was seen as a rival of Dr. Donald D- Ducky Mallard. Um, in scenes depicting Jerk's past, Shepard's son Mark was hired to play his father's character as a younger man. Um, Shepard also had a supporting role as Bishop Francois uh, Malv- Malvu. That's, sorry, that's a wrong um, pronunciation, that last bit. In a 1996 computer game, Zork Nemesis, along with DS9 guest star Stephen Matchett. Um, yeah, so I mean, yeah, there's a lot there. Um, he was also in Star Wars Force Commander as well, another video oh. game. And then Mark Shepard, in a statement posted on Instagram, wrote, "We went to spend time with my father today, so he couldn't speak. We held hands. He laughed and was so happy to see us. We left and came home. A good day. He was rushing to hospital and passed away at six uh, six thirty p.m. My mother by his side." I'm so grateful that he didn't have to suffer any longer. Thank you for all the kind thoughts, love, and prayers. So, I mean, yeah, he said he, he. I said in his career, he did a heck of a lot. I think it's safe to say for me and Simon, we know more. We're more familiar, either we've heard of it or we've seen him in stuff probably more from the 90s. Um, but he's had a really, really impressive um, acting career. Um, as I said, you know, I said I've I know as I said I've, I've known MacGyver, Murder She Wrote, and Fraser. I'm familiar with that. Um, I haven't seen obviously the final episode of Quantum Leap, but um, and you know, yeah. So he's done. He's done a heck of a lot. He did a heck of a lot. Um, what? So what was the age that he passed uh, passed away at? Was it eighty six? Eighty six, and lived to a, a good old age. I mean, eighty six. You know, what I mean. Yeah, so you know, I can completely understand so why you chose him. As I said, you've got that that crossover with the Kelvin timeline anniversary, and someone who's passed away this year. And there's a really some there's a really interesting tidbits here of what he's done, and obviously those he started, so like say Patrick Stewart for example, before Next Gen. Um, yeah, I mean, so I think I think you did, um, and actually. What you mentioned about Transformers, as you were mentioned, said as I was reading through that, as you just mentioned it there, I can actually remember him in Transformers, and he was actually really good in it. 
I can't remember exactly how big his part was. I think he was only in a few scenes, but I've not seen that film in years, so I can't exactly remember off the top of my head. But um, should we go on to? Yeah. Yeah. So obviously the final, um, the final name, obviously, and you know, it's a it's a must, obviously, as people no doubt probably would have know know guessed by now. Uh, is Aaron Eisenberg? Um, as we kind of said at the beginning of the episode um, it happened around I think it was a couple of days after my birthday wasn't it I think at the time 23rd yeah and I actually remember because I was at my mum and stepdad's at the time and I saw I saw the news I read it actually online I was on my laptop and at first I thought I thought actually because you know a lot of fake news circulates these days and I thought I think I read it in the, the the Daily Mirror or something, but it was it wasn't a actual it wasn't the actual site of the paper. It was one of those, if you know saying, one of those 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 uh, secondary links, and it wasn't kind of until I, I looked. I think it was Star Trek dot com. It's just like, yeah, this is you know, um, you know, and I think um, it yeah. It's not very often that someone from Star Trek manages. I think I said to you at the time that manages to get through to. Um, mainstream media yeah the only other one that's done that recently was Lynn Nimoy that's yeah. the only other one that actually managed to get through yeah and managed to hit right. every newspaper every online site you could think of hmm. um and to say I was up when that news broke that was very early on that morning yeah and you know and I think I mean I know we norm- I normally would start off with you know who was but I think this at the top here he what he quoted from what we left behind I think perfectly sums up him as a person do you mind if I read no, that out yeah? no. so this is um, Aaron Iceberg he said he quoted from the what we left behind um, uh, documentary I'll always carry that love for the show with me wherever I go and when I get to go to Star Trek conventions and meet the fans and they say how much they love the show and then I see their kids that are 10 going oh Nog's great I love Nog I'm like man look at this I'm part of this I will forever be a part of this and no one can take that away from me. So when you ask me what I've left behind, I can't think I've left anything behind because it's still here with me every day. I mean, you know, it, that that's just it just blows me away that kind of, you know, it just and I must admit when I was reading it, I did actually get a tear in my eye. I'm not, you know, I'm not ashamed to admit it. And you know, and the other thing as well, what makes it such a privilege to kind of um to I said talk about it. So, I mean obviously you know, it's, it's very very sad and he went too soon but as I think you said we mentioned in the last episode do you want to do you want to uh, mention it I don't know what you're on about um we mentioned about the fact that he was uh, we when we went to FCD mm. we um actually were in a photo with him and I think we we both got his um autograph yeah I know I definitely did yeah um and yeah I mean he was just such a lovely lovely bloke he really was um, and I think was it I think it was it one of the I think was it Destination Star Trek I'm not sure if it was the Birmingham one or the third one I think we went to a talk that he was a part of as well if I recall we did it before we did ours yeah yeah, yeah for a fact yeah so um, but yeah it said such a nice bloke and I, I said I'm really glad we had the 
the privilege to actually meet him in person and get his autograph because as Simon has said before and he's right I mean I know he was only 50 but if, you know as Star Trek continues on particularly those who are in the earlier series obviously they're getting older and they're not going to be around forever and you know it said the fact they said we managed to get his autograph I think it's just yeah I'm just it's one of those things where you're really glad that you did um so um it's amazing just how much account development he had over because they list how many episodes he was in and he was in 44 shows yeah and it just shows how far he had gone in that space of time you know and um I, I've got to say I've all, I mean you know out of all the Ferengi characters I, I, I mean I, I mean don't get me wrong I love Quark I love Rom uh, but I think Nog in particular was such an interesting one and I think it, I think it, in terms of not just in terms of character but I think in terms of his occupation what he wanted to do he really broke the chains of um Ferengi society in the sense they said he went into Starfleet which I thought was just you know because you know, obviously when he first proposed the idea I think I think some people just thought is he being serious or is this some sort of uh, thing for profit or whatever it is but he was genuinely serious um, yeah so should we um, did you want me to you start yeah, yeah? and if you just jump in whenever you want to um, so Aaron Scott Eisenberg born in 6th of January 1969 and he passed away, uh, said Simon said, on the 21st of September of this year, age 50, was the actor who is best known for portraying Nog and his, uh, on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Um, Eisenberg worked with Mark uh, Panicia on the Malibu celebrity comic, The Rules of Diplomacy. Um, alongside fellow Deep Space Nine performers Max Grodencheck, Chase Masterson and Cecilia Adams, he performed sketches as the Ferengi Family Hour on several Star Trek conventions. Eisenberg reprised his role as Nog in um, Star Trek Online beginning in the season 10 mission Time in a Bottle, released on June 18th, 2015. He also appeared in the secret episodes of season 10, The Arconian War, and then the expansion Victory's Life in 2018. Um, born in Hollywood, USA, uh, Eisenberg underwent a kidney transplant when he was a teenager, which stunted his growth at five feet. Um, Eisenberg's oldest son, Nicholas Lawrence Eisenberg, was born on the 25th of April 97. His other son is Christopher, yeah, Christopher Eisenberg. Um, Eisenberg made his first acting appearance in the 1989 movie Brevely Hill Brats, in which Whoopi Goldberg made a cameo appearance and stunt and star, uh, star Trek stunt coordinator Dennis Madelone played a store clerk. Um, also in that year, he starred with Laura. Is that? Tierney, yeah, Tierney, Warren Munson. He also appeared in a 1990 movie, Playroom, uh, directed by future Star Trek Enterprise writer Manny Koto. Um, just having a look. Um, in 91, he starred in the Prayer of the Roller Boys and Puppet Master 3, Talon's Revenge, with future DS9 guest star Ian Abercrombie and Matthew Faison. In 1993, he played alongside Will Wheaton in the Liars Club. Um, a year later, he starred in a uh, paradactyl woman from Beverly Hills and in 1998 with Leonard Nimoy Mi Mi uh, Miguel Ferrer and Daniel Day Kim in the television adaptation of Brave New World um, and one of the things actually uh, I don't know if Simon noticed it down at all but uh, I think you mentioned it actually mentioned it to me was that shortly after and I'm, if I'm I think I'm right in saying this if I'm wrong please do correct me 
shortly after Aaron Eisenberg's death, Will Wheaton actually started watching Deep Space Nine for the first time. Didn't they? Is that is that correct? In kind of in tribute to him? I think so. Yeah. Because um, he'd never seen it before. Um, do you want to read some of the other bits out? Because I don't want to feel like I'm taking over reading the entire no, thing. No, do well. Uh, do you want me to carry on? Yeah. Yeah? Uh, okay. Um, let's see. He also... So Eisenberg also appeared in a few television... God, a few... T- I'm just going to say TV series instead of television. A few TV series, including Parker Lewis, Can't Lose in 91. Tales from the Crypt, 91. The Secret World of Alec Mack in 1994. And Brotherly Love, 1996. Eisenberg also performed in several stage plays, received awards for these appearances and directed a few stage plays. He passed, I said, on the 21st of September, the same day as Star Trek, the original series actors Jack Donner and Sid Haig. He also appeared as Carr in the Voyage episode Initiations, a news vendor in a DS9 episode Far Beyond the Stars, and a hollow suite guest uncredited in What You Leave Behind. Um, and actually, what's really quite a nice link into is actually um, you, you watched, um, as a kind of tribute, you watched Initiations, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, which I think is really quite nice. I mean, don't you? I know. I think I did the same. A lot of fans uh, watched in um, it's only a paper moon, which is the one I watched as well. But I think said the fact you kind of went for one that he, you know, he's probably not as well known for. I think it was just just quite a nice uh, contrast. Um, there's also a bit more Star Trek dot com, but do you want to read some of that out? Um, when he was cast as Nob, the producers told him nothing about the character nor was he made aware of how many episodes he would be called upon to do. Cedar told StarTrek.com in a 2012 interview, I thought every episode I was doing might be my last. Eisenberg ultimately played Norgan more than 40 episodes of Deep Space Nine. He also played Carl de Jong, Kazan Orgler in Star Trek Voyager episode initiations. On 7 2015, Eisenberg underwent a kidney transplant, the second of his life. Quite miraculously, Eisenberg spent four, only four months on the waiting list before finding a match. That match, a friend named Beth Bernstein had seen uh, his Facebook post about needing a new kidney, offering to donate one of hers to him, and was a match for Eisenberg. She, she is just so incredibly selfless to give, give it to me like this. Eisenberg told uh, Sussex.com in 2015, "The words cannot express my gratitude to her." And his tribute from his wife was fitting as well. Do you want to read it, Jerry? Uh, I can do if you would like. Um, yeah, so this is what his um, wife uh, posted on her Facebook page just after he passed away. Um, I think most people have already heard it, but I think it's just kind of a nice way to bookend it. Bookend it, yeah. yeah. Um, it is with extreme regret and sadness to announce that my love and best friend Aaron Eisenberg passed away earlier today. Who is an intelligent, humble, funny, emphatic soul. He sought to live his life with integrity and truth. He was so driven to put the best he had into whatever work was put before him. He lived his life with such vigour and passion. He was like a breath of fresh air because I knew I would always hear the truth from him, even if I didn't want to hear it and even if the truth was inconvenient. He made me, and still makes me, want to be the best human I can possibly be because he always strove to be the best human he could be. His resilience and willingness to learn was and is an inspiration. We didn't officially announce that we had eloped on December the 8th, 28th, 2018. We were hoping to have a big shindig in celebration of our uh, 
Nuptials, Jerry. Yeah, nuptials, thank you. But had had to wait to save up on up the money. While our marriage on paper was a short one, our hearts have been married for far longer. I will forever, fa- I'll be forever thankful for the time we had to love each other. Five years felt like a last lifetime in the best possible ways. There will be another. Li- there will never be another light like Aaron's. That the beauty that he was and the legacy he leaves beyond is beyond word. He leaves behind is beyond words. I love him dearly and will miss him eternally. At the, at the mo- and at the moment, I'm not sure how to do life without him. He is and will always be my California. Yeah, and uh, I said there's some uh, lovely photos as well with them together, just happy and smiling. Um, and yeah, I think that's I said that's a really really heartfelt and you know message yeah. um yeah just yeah it's it's but when that dropped it was just like yeah okay this is a no-brainer like he's got to be in the episode i said he's got to be absent as i said as soon as i read as i said earlier at the beginning as soon as i saw the news of it and i knew simon was going to add that i mean i thought so simon he's got to but i knew you would anyway i knew you would automatically would do um it's just what we usually do it's like we don't do an episode at the time we always leave it until we have some friends because then that because we did the same with Nemo we let that die down and then we uh, hey I always forget this we we did it for then Nemo also um why can't I think of his name um Carlton Timeline Chekhov oh Anderson Yelchin yeah yeah Sorry, his name went from my head, but we did the same for them them as well, where we left it for a while. Yeah. And then we did Absent Friends, because I think it's nice we can look back in that time and just go... Yeah. Like, we, we could see how much it impacted the internet, because my, my feed was filled with it for two or three days afterwards, of these pages that you'd never thought would pick up on a Star Trek actor putting a article together for him. Yeah, and you know, and I said I, I especially do love this 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 tribute that his um, wife made to him, like saying about wants to be the best human because he always tried to be the best human he could be, and that just sums up. He was just down to earth. That's why. Yeah, he's just so great. And yeah, I was just and so it's... glad that we did FCD and we managed to mm. meet him, see him, and as, as Jamie said, and I really forgot that I said right. it, but it's like yeah, I. Up in my water have got pictures that are important to me, and is that picture that we got FCD where it's um, all the different actors and Aaron's up there, and I've got other old ones, and so I recently added the uh, Trek mate picture up there as well. So it's, but yeah, the FCD one was always going to go up there, and it's yeah, it's you look up there and it's like that's a shame but yeah and you know and, and as you say kind of who he was like I said that's a down to earth nice guy and I said what she's saying here about the, like best... the embodiment of Star Trek is exactly. his wasn't it that's... Yeah. and as I said I'm, I mean me and Sam have said we're, I'm, I'm so glad I had that honour to actually meet him and actually get an autograph from him um, yeah and uh, again because it would be one of those things of looking back now if, if, if either of us or both of us hadn't I know we. I said we'd probably be sitting there, probably expressing a huge regret. It's what happened. It's what we did an episode ages ago, where it's like Elizabeth Sladen. Yeah. We were right there, and we probably should have done, but we just didn't. But but we weren't. We yeah. didn't know that. But you know, there's a case of instance where me, I have, I, 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 me and Phil managed to get into. I know it's not the same, quite the same as an archive, but 
we got into the Leonard Nimoy talk, mm. uh, or I said, oh, I think all of us, we your suggestion, getting the Shell Nichols autograph at AM Con. Um, so just stuff like that and sometimes you know you it, it doesn't happen as I said a couple of his obviously we just mentioned sometimes it does but um, and this well, that was a very unexpected one where you just go oh god I'm glad I did I acted back back then yeah because that yeah. really shouldn't have been a thing that shouldn't be a shouldn't have been a thing for another how many years like no 20 30 years something like that yeah but you know he he will. He will. But I'm glad we crossed paths at that. that yeah. That convention, at least. He's been added to the names on. Uh, actually, I think he's he, been. Uh, yeah, they all do. They all get added on to Sussex Online's. Um, yeah. Memorial. And I know. I thing. don't. I'm not sure if this has been. If it's been confirmed yet, but I know there's been talk about in something in Star Trek Picard possibly some sort of tribute to him as well. But I don't know the actual detail, so I'm not going to say definitively. I heard something that they might do some sort of tribute, but I don't actually know. I'm not convinced it's going to happen, but you know. But I, I don't. I never get it where it's like, oh, we'll do it for that person, but we won't do it for anyone else. It's always a bit weird with that. And yeah, I mean, yes, yeah. you know, yes. Um, hopefully it will get something, or but we don't know for sure that's why I, did, I wanted just to say it may happen but I didn't want to definitively we go, don't know it's not, yeah. by the moment we're recording this it's not officially out so yeah. we don't know what what's going to happen if they will be or not but either way you know he's he's you know I said an incredible contribution to Star Trek and I said a lot of other stuff that he's done as well um, I'd, I'd go and play a bit of SEO play some of those missions he's involved with as I say the voice acting yeah. and that's incredible Is and he, stuff like that I, 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 I you be... played um, did I play one Clark's of... Lucky 7 whatever it was and he's in that oh, well, yes, he is, yes yeah he is yeah. stuff like that so there yeah. is a bit of voice acting in the episode Joe mentioned there's a pretty few others lying around in there but well worth playing because that's another way you could probably play a tribute to him in a yeah. slightly different way so I just went oh you know what why didn't I just watch this Voyager one pardon me slightly off like rather than going for one of the obvious ones it's just like you know what Yeah, I haven't seen Voyager in a while because you actually rewatched that recently anyway so well um, that's that spurred it on that's where it yeah. started from so yeah but um yeah and I think I said particularly that bit about Will Wheaton I said watching Deep Space Nine for the first time and it's a kind of tribute to him I think again it just this shows you the the kind of impact that he's actually had on people. Well, don't they do? Didn't they do a podcast? So that's another way you can really do it. They've they've run a podcast. I think so. Yeah. Mm. But um, yeah. I mean, just I mean, all those names. You know, again, it's. I oh, know it might have been him and Sharon Lifton. Um, Jake Cisco. Oh yes, it was. I think Isn't it was. It? I think it was. Yeah, I think it was. Um, if we're wrong, or was it Garrett Wang? I just forget which one it is. It's one of the. I think it was Sirik Lofton. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was, but if we're wrong, guys, I can't remember. Some, I haven't listened to it, but nah, it's all right. It was pops up from yeah. If we if we if we're wrong, then then we apologise now. If we if, if we got that it's detail wrong, I just can't yeah. quite figure it out which it's, one it's it. All right. <laughs> um, but I think that was going from strength to strength, and then he passed away, and it's just like oh. They were just I think they were just getting into a role, they were getting some of they were getting a getting into fan, the fan fandom and yeah. they were getting a Yeah. Um but yeah, so um Yeah. 
I mean, it does we usually say to go back and look through all those names. Most of those you all know, but there's a few in there that you won't. It's it's a very odd episode to try and do every year, and then when you get that out of the blue news, and you go, "Oh my god, I've I've now got to revise it. I've now got to add these new names in there." I'm glad you did, so I said it. And every, you know, I know we said we've probably said this every time, but we you never we always learning new interesting tidbits. Whether it said whether it was about said the creation from um, von von McIntyre about that Sulu's first name, or um, you know. Um, or um, I don't know about you. If, I'm not sure. I think you might have known, but about William Morgan Shepherd playing has said that Vulcan minister in in um, Telvin timeline, you know, uh, Star Trek 2009, just and just other little things as well. Just every year you just learn something a little bit different, just stuff you didn't know, and just really adds to your. I think just not just to your knowledge of the Star Trek universe as a Star Trek fan, but also your appreciation for the franchise and the people that have worked on it. Um, yeah. So, um, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about, or no? No, I think just, we've yeah, it's flown by, but it's just so many names, and again, tip of the iceberg. You know, we've done we've very. I think we've we've done under fifty. Yeah. Over the last five years, we've done. We've twenty thirty names. Ish. Yeah, I say maybe because I know we did six last year, so that's twelve. And I think the other years, I th- yeah, I think the others, I think the other yeah. other ones we've done have been at least about three, four, about four names. Four. So yeah, about, about twenty four, twenty five. Um, so yeah, I said we've I said we've scratched it some. Said the tip of the iceberg, a very very small part of it. Um, but it said we like to do this every year, and as you said. We know people do, particularly for the bigger names, they do tribute episodes, and that's absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but we always think to ourselves, as we do this annual thing like this anyway, we might as well wait till later in the year. And as Simon said earlier, and I, you know, I agree, it's always good to have a bit of time to reflect and then look back. You can do it. I, I just think you need to do that with other people, not just that one name. Yeah. There's all these other people yeah. that are uh, just as worthy. Yeah, and I think just get... It's not, it's not, well, not really represented, I suppose, enough. And that's, that's partly why we do Absent Friends. It's part of why we do it. We don't just do the more well-known names, but we also do the ones who are not well-known, but whose contributions to Star Trek are equally as valid and impressive. Um, you know, and, and I think going to have an impact again, like you say, just finding out uh, Sulu's name and hmm. you know, and little stuff like that, and Peter Lor- uh, Peter Aaron Fields, the impact he had. Stuff like that that they're there, but you just wouldn't know it normally. Yeah. But and you know, and and that's the thing, you know. Um, as we said, you know, we've uh, said with Peter Adam Fields, I said he's had a bigger, big, big impact on us because I said we rewatched through for our season, we did season five, and you know, I think it's sad to say a lot of Star Trek fans, and I think both of us, we both quite like season six, so. Yeah, I said it's just, and I and I love the fact that something like Memory Alpha like that exists because you have all those names on there, and you know, you know whether regardless of whether people read them or not, or they won't read everyone, but they are there online. They are, you know, they they still exist in some form, um, and you know, not and not just obviously in in those that are past, you know, they're, they're friends and family, but just 
you know, because I said the internet, well, everyone can access, pretty much everyone can access, you know, online. So there, there always will be there. But it's just, as you say, it's just doing this episode, just bringing those people to light. Um, you know, I mean, I, I know we say I think we say this every year. We wish we could do, <laughs> we wish we could do them all, but there's just so many names. But we'll we'll slowly get we're slowly working our way through them. So uh, next year, obviously, there'll be um, four to six brand new names, um, which will be my task to um, to pick. Um, uh, so yeah, um, and you never know. You just really no. never know, and it could happen at any point. Yeah. I could add more names. I could, like Simon this year, I could pick four. So it's like next year, like Simon's done this year, I could pick four. Then suddenly someone passes away, and it's like, oh, that, they've got to be added. Then I'll just do another two names. So. But yeah, that's this year's list, and it's. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I think it's probably a good, probably a good way to probably end the episode. Mm. Um. So yeah. Um. We hope you found this episode interesting. Obviously, with the the names that we've picked. Um, I said I again every year. I always I always find it interesting. I said, it's always a little bit sad, but at the same time, it's it's a nice thing to do to remember those that have passed and because all these contributions as well. But yeah, go and spend a minute and think about yeah, all those names yeah. up there. And... You know, w- without them, you wouldn't have. Regardless of what they've done or how little or how much they've contributed, they've all contributed to the Star Trek and other franchises, and. Without them, Star Trek I don't think would be what it is today. So yeah, um, we'll have to leave it there and we'll see yeah. you in the next episode. Bye.